Yo, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Let's tone it down. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. But um, I hope everybody out there is doing fine. I'm doing well. I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. I am him. He is me. <laughs> um, but 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 I have a good one for you guys today. Saturday episode. So, you know, buckle up, buck up, you know. We got we got some things to discuss. We talk about the NBA, of course. NBA playoffs, um, NBA playoffs heavy. These last these last several episodes have been NBA playoffs heavy. Uh, you know, playoff time for the NBA. Um, the playoffs have been really good. The playoffs have been really good. But like I said, um, hope I, I hope everybody out there is doing fine, doing well. I appreciate you guys for coming in, tuning in. Uh, you chose you you know you chose to come here and listen to me. You could have been doing other things. So I greatly appreciate it. So over the last couple episodes, over the last few episodes, I've had guests come on um, to talk about the NBA playoffs. We talked about the NBA playoffs, breaking down our predictions and so forth. Um, More of those people are going to come back. Uh, (laughs) They're going to come back. uh, I I, I think I, yeah, I got things lined up. So we're going to have more guests, but it's just me today. It is just me today. You just hear, you just get to hear my voice. Um, so NBA playoffs, the fans are back. Um, in like, in, at some capacity, fans are back. Um, I, like states like Florida, states like Texas, are more lenient. Um, and they have been more lenient. So like Dallas, I, I can't wait to see the Dallas, the, the Mavericks fans. Um, at the American Airlines Arena, that's going to be a spectacle to watch. Uh, they, Luka gets to play his first playoff game at like in Dallas at home, so that should be pretty good. I mean, but by far, the New York Knicks, the Nick fans in MSG, um, have been great. They have been great. The Nick, the Nick faithful has been great, and I must admit, I must admit, the the Madison Square Garden crowd, the Knicks crowd, has been the best crowd. Throughout the playoffs so far, um, I, you know, so most teams, uh, just about every team has like some type of, they have some type of fans coming in. Uh, I think like the Lakers and the Clippers, they're only letting like seven seventy five hundred people in. Um, I think Madison Square Garden had like fifteen thousand. I think I don't know, but like it, you know, so. Different arenas, different states and protocols have different guidelines and so forth, right? But speaking of the fans, and it's really good to have the fans back. It's really good because it feels a lot like a playoff atmosphere um, versus the bubble last year. And the bubble was good for what it was last year, but you can definitely tell like there's a difference in a in in like in a regular playoff atmosphere. There is a big difference. And we're and you know we've been seeing that we've been seeing that and like I said I think the Knicks so far has had the best crowd the MSG crowd the, the, I mean it, it's it's been the best it's been the best but we had some incidences uh some some bad some bad events uh some NBA fans acting up uh so we had one we had one incident take place. During game two, I think, yeah, game two of the Knicks and Hawks series, 
where Trey Young was attempting to inbound the basketball, a fan in like the second or third row. I think it was like the second row. Um, and, and you can, you guys can, the, the video has been surfacing around, uh, but you guys can probably find the video. And there's video footage of the, uh, of a dude in the second row spitting, put, pulling, putting, putting his mask down, pulling his mask down, and then spitting or trying to attempt to spit on Trey Young. It's like on the video. I'm playing the video right now. I'm looking at it right now. On the video, he he he's trying to spit at Trey Young. The, his saliva gets on the lady that's in front of him, that's sitting in front of him, and it gets on Trey Young. Trey Young. You know, he was asked about it after the game. Trey Young didn't even like he didn't even realize it or he didn't he didn't even he didn't know. He was not aware of the fact that uh that this dude spit on him. Um and then Russell Westbrook, he had a situation in Philadelphia where he was going into the locker room, the tunnel, right? Uh and this dude was this dude just wasted popcorn, like purposely wasted and threw popcorn on Russell Westbrook. Okay. Uh, so, and, and I think something happened in the Utah series with John Morant and his parents. I think so, some something like I think somebody may have said some racial slurs. So fans are getting out of hand, right? The, or these these particular situations, fans are getting out of hand. And I was talk I, I talked about this with uh you know with several people. I talked about this with some players that played professionally, um, whether that was overseas or. Um, or, or you know, an NBA or whatever, or even at the at, at the collegiate level, I talked about it. I said, "Hey, um, I asked him. I was like, have you ever, you know, been in a situation like this? Have you ever been stuck in a situation like this where, like, hey, this happened to you?" And it's very interesting to always like to hear from some from most of these players because most of these most of these players like they understand like the, when the the crowd chatter. Like they understand, especially like in a playoff atmosphere, it's intense. You know, fans. You you know the intensity in the building. You can feel it. So when I'm gravitating, and I I, I hear other players talk about it, and like I said, I've talked to some players, some professional players about it, and for the most part, it seems to me that these athletes they understand like fans like you know, trying to talk trash and trash talk. They understand that. And sometimes fans may poke, you know, make, make you know, poke some jokes or even some insults, right? Like, you know, they make they may make some insults, you know. So, and, and most players, like, understand the gravity of that. They, they and, and that's where you got to credit some of these guys or most of these guys because most players understand, like, it's, you know, it's competitive. It's the competitive nature, right? But then there's a line that I think fans cross. And with Russell Westbrook, this isn't the first, uh, like, this isn't the first incident that has happened or transpired uh, with him. He, you know, he's had multiple encounters with fans in Philadelphia, I think he had a he had a couple encounters uh, in Utah. Yeah, so Russell Westbrook is no newbie to this, but I think there is a line that fans cross, and I feel like the spitting. I'm gonna get to that. That is disgusting and just disrespectful on all on all levels. But then, like the popcorn, the pop. Okay, throwing the popcorn. And I had somebody, I had somebody, I, I had somebody tell me like, hey, like. 
I had a couple people tell me this. You know, they were like, hey, this type of stuff, it always used to happen. It always used to happen in the 80s. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay uh, whatever you say, but just because something used to happen, it doesn't mean that it should be acceptable or it's right just because it used to happen. I just I just hate that argument where sometimes people like people sometimes say, hey, this stuff used to happen all the time. It's so like, no, just because something used to happen doesn't make it right. There's a lot of things that used to transpire and happen. But that doesn't mean it's accept. It, that, that doesn't mean that it's right or acceptable. A lot of things, a lot of things have have happened in the past that shouldn't have happened and that shouldn't have been acceptable. But I can think back to the 2016 NBA Finals. Uh, it was Game Six, and that and that I mean that whole series was just a lot. It was drawn like just a lot. But in game six, I can remember where Steph Curry was a little heated. Obviously, the Cavaliers came back from 3-1, and they won game They won game three. They won game five, game six, and game seven, right? So, Steph, Steph, Steph Curry had threw out he, – like he, pull, he pulled out his mouthpiece, and he threw it out his mouth. He threw it out his mouth. He threw it um, at a fan. I, like, I don't know if he intentionally did that. I don't think – Steph is a good guy. So, but he threw it. He threw him out. He threw his mouthpiece, and it landed on a fan. And obviously, the slava and all that good stuff. And I can remember Steph Curry got blasted. Steph Curry got blasted, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. And I say this to say this because it's important that the NBA take care of everybody in the arena, not just the players, but the players, the coaches, the officials, the the fans. Everybody, it's it's the NBA's priority to make sure that everybody in the arena is safe. Everybody. So I like I so you know I just just flip the situation, flip the situation. If the situation, if that was a player that had spit on someone or spit on a fan, if that was a player that threw something at a fan, like imagine a player just getting so upset and just grabbing the ball and just just throwing a, a bullet pass at a fan. Imagine if that was to happen. <laughs> like that, who, like the player would get blasted all over social media, all over networks and podcasts and YouTube videos. And like, it, it'd be over. It'd be over, <laughs> especially in the climate that we live in. He'd be, he'd be finished. So it's important. So I'm glad that the NBA, they're, they're trying to come down hard on these fans because those actions that occur, which is just so unacceptable and the, like just so disrespectful as well. Um, but yeah, I can like I, I remember with Steph Curry, he got blasted and, and rightfully so. He, he you know, he was under a lot of scrutiny. Like it was rightful. It, it was deserved. Steph shouldn't have done that. And Steph is a good guy. He hasn't done anything remotely close to that again. But imagine just imagine if a player got so frustrated or so mad or just so like and he just grabbed the basketball and just threw a bullet pass at a fan like like what if he just grabbed the ball and just threw a bullet pass at a fan's head like he would be he would be gone he would be canceled <laughs> he would be done he'd be finished 
it'd be finished. He wouldn't be able to. He wouldn't be able to live to see the next morning. And I say that figuratively. I'm not meaning that. But like, come on. Like, it would just be crazy if a fan did that. I mean, if a player did that. So, like, I I, I don't understand. Like, in the spitting, it's just disrespectful. Like, outright disrespect. I don't. You don't spit on no one. Like, come on. The germs and my not the not to mention, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. I, you know, I know, you know, certain, well, just about every city and state is opening up. Um, you know, fans are coming back in and, you know, you don't, in certain places, you don't have to wear your mask and people are getting vaccinated, but we're still in a pandemic, you know? So, so like, come on, where's people judgment? The, the judgment calls are just awful. So, um, that fan the 76ers fan, I would suppose, he had a 76ers jersey on. Uh, he got banned from life from Wells Fargo uh, Arena. And the, and the dude from the Madison Square Garden who spit on, he got banned from Mad- from MSG uh, f- for spitting on Trey Young. Uh, the Utah situation, I heard about that. I didn't, like, I don't know, like, I don't know the severity of the of the punishment to whoever made those racial slurs to uh, allegedly to John Morant's dad. I don't know, but these these punishments uh, need to be severe by the NBA. It, it does, it does, and I'm glad that it's receiving the media attention that it is because, like, once again, if a player, if if you flip the situation, if a player got so upset. And he just beamed a ball um, at a fan's head. It would be it would be all over front page news. <laughs> so um, I, I would encourage fans, as you know, ballparks and basketball arenas and football stadiums are allow you know are allowing fans to come back in and enjoy their team or, or so forth. Just be mindful. Use proper judgment. Uh, use proper judgment. I'm gonna be going to a couple games myself. Just, but just use proper judgment when you're at. Like, come on, come on, people, and like, come on. And and, and, and another thing, don't don't do something like a lot of like the dude that these dudes that had the incidents with Trey Young and Russell Westbrook. If they were to see Trey Young or Russell Westbrook in public or like at a store or something. They would be fanboys. They would be fanboys. They wouldn't. They 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 wouldn't even think about spitting or throwing something at these guys if they were face to face and had saw them out in public. They would be trying to ask for pictures and autographs and sign this. And you'll be fanboys. So don't. And it's nothing wrong with that. But it's just a mere fact. Don't don't do something. That don't do something while nobody's or while that person's not paying attention. Like, don't do something that you wouldn't do face to face. You know, it's one of those things. Don't do something that you wouldn't do face to face. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, unless these dudes are not like rap too tight, I'm pretty sure these dudes wouldn't go up face to face with Russell Westbrook and throw something at him. Like, come on. And that's just outright disrespectful. That's a crime. So, so like, just be mindful and don't don't do something that you that you know that you, you just don't do anything that you know you wouldn't do face to face. That's that's not manly at all. 
<laughs> that, I, I'm sorry to go there, but that's not manly at all. Don't do that. Just don't do it. Um, but I'm going to shift gears to actual basketball and talk about these NBA playoffs a lot. Just, we got a lot to get into, so I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> okay, so let's get into this. Uh, let's talk about the Clippers. <clears throat> because I've been talking about the Clippers, and like I said, I've brought guests on to talk about the Clippers, and we broke down the series and so forth. And I, I'd admit, I, I picked the Clippers, I think, in six or seven games. I think I picked the Clippers in like six or seven games to win this series. I had the bottom line is I had the Clippers winning this series versus the Dallas Mavericks. And you guys know that I'm a big Luka guy. I like Luka. Um, uh, I think he's definitely the one of the faces, uh, future faces of the league. And he's going to carry the brand. Uh, right the, you know, he's going to do well. But this series so far with two games in, game three, uh, by the time you guys are are listening to this, you guys will know the result of game three, um, and that would either be a Dallas win, and the Dallas Mavericks are, you know, they take a commanding 3-0 lead, or it's the Clippers winning the first their first game in the series um, and making the series 2-1. So that'll be the result by the time you guys hear this. Either way, so and I just wanted to, I just want to break down just the time, somewhat of the timeline for the Clippers and the scrutiny and just the failure and the misstep of the Clippers and Kawhi, just the misstep because I like think back to historical context, like use historical context. After the Raptors won the championship, Kawhi, by a lot of people in sports media and in NBA media, people were, count, were, were calling Kawhi the best player in the world because LeBron had had his injury and the Lakers missed the playoffs. That was LeBron's first year in L.A. Uh, obviously, Durant had tore his Achilles and the Raptors had beat the Warriors in the finals where Kawhi won finals MVP. And that was just like people just crowned or some NBA media crowned Kawhi as the best player in basketball. Since coming to L.A., this whole argument, this whole conversation of Kawhi being the best player in basketball from uh, from for, about you know from certain people has gone downhill tremendously, and it's just like it's like this narrative and this conversation is just like Humpty Dumpty. It it it, it it's just going downhill ever since he joined the Clippers. And I hope I hope this if the if the Clippers were to lose to the Mavericks, I hope this conversation only intensifies, because, and 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 and, and granted, the Mavericks are only up 2-0, and it's not like the Clippers can't come back. The Clippers can come back. They can come back from a 2-0-2 deficit. I. It, the way how they're playing right now and the way how they're playing defense especially the way how they're the guard the way how they're defending and guarding Luka I don't know I don't think it's going to happen I don't know if it's going to happen 
But the Clippers can come back and win this series. Now, but I don't. I, it just looks really. Those chances look really slim. But let's just say the Clippers lose this series. The conversation about the failure of in these two years. The failure of the Clippers and Kawhi, it needs to be intensified. It does on all levels from and not just Kawhi, but from brass and ownership and, you know, at the exec at the, you know, whoever sits at these, you know, at the executive level for the Clippers, from the coaching staff, all the way down to the players. But I'm mentioning Kawhi. Because we, like I said, we have to add historical context. Because prior to Kawhi joining the Clippers, the Clippers were a team that was, they were, their identity was defense. We play hard defense. We play hard every night. The Clippers had went through a rebrand, kind of, right? Like, from the Lob City era to going into this, rough and rugged era of we play defense we we put on our hard hat we take our lunch pail and we play hard every night so it was kind of a rebrand for the clippers and with that they had a young core that they developed they had some assets that they have acquired over the years you know when trading chris paul away trading blake griffin away they had assets that they acquired um, and so forth. I, I don't even know where to start. But this has been a massive failure. And, for instance, we talk about people, so many people talked about the Clippers and their defense. And I feel like a lot of these, a lot of these guys on the Clippers – like the Paul Georges of the world, the Kawhi Leonard's, the Patrick Beverly's. Me, me and Jordan talked about it on the previous episode. Um, me and Jordan Foote, uh, Kambui Bumani, we talked about it. Uh, no layups, we talked about it. The Clippers, they're living off of reputation. Uh, some, of these, some of these players on the Clippers are living off of reputation. Patrick Beverly is no longer a guy who we can who we can consider an elite defender. Kawhi Leonard, okay, he can be elite he can be an elite defender when he wants to, but it seems like every time he plays Kawhi or or, or Luca, excuse me, he does he, he just doesn't have it. Defensively is just not there. Paul George the same thing goes for him. But this is but this has been an epic failure by the Clippers. Epic failure by the Clippers. And I know Twitter, you know, want to blame Paul George. And, you know, Paul George is usually trending on Twitter when he struggles and all that good stuff. And you guys know, if you've been listening to me, if you've been listening to me long enough, you guys know how I feel about Paul George. I think he's talented. I like his game. I don't like the mentality that he usually has. Um, I don't like what he says after certain games. I think sometimes he has a non, a very nonchalant demeanor. But I can't continue to blame and criticize Paul George. 
eventually I have to look at the guy who wanted Paul George. And the guy who wanted Paul George was Kawhi Leonard. Like he held the Clippers at gunpoint to acquire Paul George. And while doing that, the Clippers gave up an abundance of of draft picks and assets that they have acquired over the years, as I've mentioned. They gave away an abundance of assets and draft picks. So what we have here in L.A., the Clippers, it's a mess. It's a mess. And it's a mess that Kawhi Leonard kind of dug himself into. It's a mess. It's a mess. And, and, and like like I said, we can start with, I mean, why in the hell did the Clippers play? Why did they pay Luke Kennard $64 million and he hasn't even played a minute in this series? Uh, the, the, the Clippers are paying Markeith Moore's $64 million over the span of four, over the next four years. He can't hit a jump shot to save his life in this series. Like, so the money that the funds and the monies and the salaries that's being allocated throughout this roster, you, you, and, you're, and you're just seeing the production or lack thereof, it, it, it's very head-scratching and mind-boggling. And I must admit, if the Clippers, if their fate is they lose in the first round, how can we, with this Kawhi and Clipper experiment, how can we not call this a failure? If they lose in the first round, if they lose in the second round, how can we not call this Kawhi experiment with the Clippers anything else but a failure? How can we? How can we? Because when Kawhi, I swore, when Kawhi first made, when he first came to L.A., when he signed with the Clippers, I can remember seeing the commercial, the New Balance commercial where he had basically he basically proclaimed himself as the new king of LA as there is a new guy in LA and since then since that commercial everything has gone downhill everything has gone downhill so i just asked so i just want to you know i just want people you know i know i talked about the clippers um over the you know my guests but we, the the you know if it if it ends in the first round if the if the Clippers season end in the first or second round, how can we call this like this whole experiment with Kawhi and PG? How can we not call this a failure? You know, and I'm just trying to wonder who fault is it now? Is it Doc? Is it still Doc Rivers' fault? Is it still Doc Rivers' fault? Because uh, it looks like to me Doc Rivers, is he's in Philadelphia with the number one seed in Eastern Conference. Joel Embiid is playing at a pretty high level. He has the Sixers in the right place. Now, I don't think the Sixers are going to win the championship. I don't even think the Sixers are going to win the East. But he has them in the right place. The Clippers are a mess. And it, we're going to look back at this thing. It's been a failure. If we're going to be honest, it's been a failure. It just has. Um, it just has. I'm so, I'm sorry to break it to whoever like supports the Clippers that listen to me or like the Clippers, um, but it's just been a failure. 
Last year, a lot of people saw the Clippers as title favorites. They failed. This year, people were very hesitant to get on the Clippers on the Clippers bandwagon. Um, I think a, a good majority of the, of us had the Clippers at least winning a first round matchup. Uh, as you heard on the previous episode, Jordan Foot Jordan he didn't think he picked the Mavericks in seven games, but neither that's neither here or there. Most people had the Clippers getting out the first round, and the fact that they may not even do that is just astonishing to me. Um, also, remember the Clippers. It, this is this is so funny and just so like just the irony of it. The Clippers tanked their last two games in order. It it looked as that. It looked as that. It, it looked as as. The Clippers tanked their final two games versus the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets to duck the clip to to duck the Lakers early in the playoffs, so they won't have, so they won't so they, so they wouldn't have to see them in the first or second round. Lord and behold, they thought they had the perfect matchup with the Mavericks. This matchup, it it it, it just doesn't fit. It's a bad matchup for the Clippers. So every which way you look, it's been a failure. And I could talk about Steve Ballmer. I could talk about like the, G, the, the 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 front office being very overzealous and some signing some questionable contracts and so forth. I can I could talk about that. But I mean Kawhi, I feel like Kawhi, this conversation's gonna have to intensify and we gotta ask ourselves. Do, do what? What does what, what happens next? If the Clippers lose in the first or second round, does Kawhi leave? That's a really important question. I'm gonna move on though. I don't want to. I, I I don't want to. I don't want to bore us, but I'm gonna move on. And that boy Luka Doncic is a problem. But you guys been through that. I told you guys that already. I see you guys on the other side after this. And you know, so let's move on. Uh, let's shift gears. I'm gonna talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. And, you know, I've been watching the playoffs. I've been watching just about all of these series. I- I'm not going to lie to you guys. I do I do like, and I, I mean, you guys could probably expect this, but there is certain series that I do pay more attention to and that catches my eye uh, a bit more. Like the Dallas and Clippers series catches my eye because you guys know I like Luka. Um you know the Clippers. This whole this whole storyline with the Clippers, we like we're all everybody is waiting to see how it's going to play out. Uh, obviously, I've been paying close attention to the Lakers series uh, versus Phoenix and so forth. Um, but Milwaukee, Milwaukee, that is a series that I've watched as well. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate and we try to oversimplify certain things. I, I I just feel like in like in in sports when you know I I'm you know I'm I see you on Twitter and these shows and when people are talking about Milwaukee yes the, the yes the acquisitions of Drew Holiday and PJ Tucker and Bobby Portis have been really good acquisitions. And that has propelled them to being a better team. 
But we 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 oversimplify certain things. We 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 just try to over-explain and oversimplify certain things, and we're trying to just find a justification why Milwaukee is better. But it's simply it, 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 you know or better than Milwaukee and better than Miami. But it's as simple as this: my Milwaukee is the better team. They're the better team. They're just the better team. They're, the, the this Milwaukee Bucks team is more well. It's more well equipped for the playoffs. With Drew Holiday, you're getting his two way impact. Um, I I don't think his de- like it like Drew Holiday. I think he's showing people on how like how good he's in, how good he is. Um, he started his career in Philadelphia. wasn't talked much about in Philadelphia. Played in New Orleans for several years. Didn't quite get people. Some people realize like this guy is really good and he can defend and he can also play make and create his own shot on offense. Like this guy is really good. He's a great combo guard. Now in Milwaukee, I think people are realizing just how good Drew Holiday is. And he's been in the league for uh, he's been in the league for a while. But I feel like people are just so his two way impact is really important. And it's something that Eric Bledsoe. It was an element that Eric Bledsoe was just missing that 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 Drew Holiday has. Um, Drew Holiday is the bigger athlete. Drew Holiday is the more skilled player, uh, offensively and defensively. Drew Holiday, he has the he has the package that the excuse me that the Bucks have been in desperate need of over the last several years. He's a guy on offense. He can create a shot. Get a he can he can get to the bucket. He's big enough to use his size, get to the bucket. He can create his own shot. He can shoot the three if he needs to. And then defensively, his length, his length, his defensive skill, um, it's all on display. It's 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 been all on display. Bobby Portis, the acquisition of Bobby Portis has been really good for the Bucs. I I saw that I saw that in the regular season where he came in and played some really solid minutes throughout the regular season, he would hit jumpers, you know, play defense, rebound. That That's what you need Bobby Portis for. So that was a great acquisition. And then the P.J. Tucker move, it just only makes the Bucks more versatile defensively. Um, you know, they're being able to play Giannis at the five, and you can insert PJ Tucker at the four, and then also offense, PJ Tucker can stretch the floor and shoot that corner three ball that he loves. So all of that mixed in together, Milwaukee's just a better team. They're just a better team and they're more well equipped. Um <clears throat> and like I said, this year has been so strange. Um, and it it seems like Milwaukee would have to play Brooklyn in not well, not it seems like if you know predicting that both teams will win, Milwaukee and Brooklyn, they would have to play each other in the second round. Now, I got like I said, I think Brooklyn's my pick to get to the finals um and win the Eastern Conference. But I do think there is one team that can knock them off. And that one team, I think, is the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and no layups did a great job at explaining why the Bucks would give the Nets the most trouble. And it was basically, and he basically broke it down to, hey, the Nets when 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 Milwaukee plays Giannis at the five, 
they're able to become more versatile defensively, and it only and it, it can force the big three of the Nets to play isolation basketball. That was basically his point. So I, I I'm kind of feeling this Milwaukee team, and I weren't I wasn't big on Milwaukee these last couple years, but I'm feeling this Milwaukee team this year. I I, I really am. I'm really feeling this Milwaukee team this year. I, I, I'm really in. This year, I'm feeling this Milwaukee team. And they're just a better team. Sometimes we just over, sometimes we overqualify stuff. Sometimes we try to oversimplify things. No. Don't overexplain it. Milwaukee's just a better team this year. They're, more, they're, they're well equipped. They're more well equipped for the playoffs. This seems like a, a, a this feels like a playoff caliber team. This this feels like a, a team that's ready for the playoffs. Last couple of years, Milwaukee kind of you know kind of soft a bit. They were a little soft. Um, I don't think they were as versatile defensively. They would give up a lot of three point shots. They didn't quite have that wing defender that can guard wings. Now they have that, and I'm also I'm also starting to see that they're utilizing Giannis on ball defense. Um. A little bit more, which is a bright sign. So Milwaukee, they just—they're a better team this year, and they're better than Miami. Miami feels like I told you guys. I told you guys throughout this throughout the regular season. Miami feels like the little engine that could. That's what the Heat feel like. They feel like the little engine that could. And I mean, as much as it may hurt Heat fans to hear this, you know. There's some bubble fraudulence. There's some bubble fraudulency there, you know, and that's okay. I think the bubble was a great setting for the Heat, um, and they had a great run. But Milwaukee's just better this year. Simply, they're simply just better, outright better this year. Um, and I, and we're moving on to the Lakers. Uh, the Bucks look look really good. They look awesome. But the Lakers, the Lakers the last two games have got their acts together. Uh, Anthony Davis has been aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. Uh, he still has these, you know, these nagging injury prone type tendencies. <laughs> I don't know, man. But the Lakers overall has looked, they look really good. And they, I feel like they have a blueprint to repeating. And it's a little bit, it, it goes back a little bit to their blueprint last year. The Lakers last year were just bigger than everybody else. They were just bigger than everybody else. Their length overwhelmed teams, and it that on, especially on defense, on the defensive side of the basketball, the Lakers were awesome. They were great defensively last year, and that has carried over even to this year. Even with them struggling, the Lakers still have been a really fairly given the adding context to the situation. They have still been a really good defensive team. Offensively, they can go in slumps, especially when LeBron is not on the floor. When LeBron is not on the floor, offensively, especially the the, the Lakers look. It don't look good. It doesn't look good at all when they go in slumps. But. When LeBron's on the floor and so forth, they look they look fine, right? But defensively, that's their calling card. That's their calling card defensively. 
and <clears throat> their length, their their size showed. And over the last two games, the Lakers have figured out a way to dominate the Phoenix Suns. Now, granted, Chris Paul and him not being a hundred percent, him not being fully healthy, yes. That had you know that has a lot to do with it, especially in game two. The Lakers, so if you don't know, the Lakers are now the Lakers are now up 2-1 in the series. Um, and they've won the last two games. Game two was a bit close. Game two was a lot of of, uh, of Anthony Davis being very aggressive. Even Andre Drummond played pretty good in game two, uh, for Andre Drummond standards. Um, LeBron played pretty decent game two and down the stretch, the game got close cause Phoenix wouldn't go away, but Chris Paul didn't play. He didn't play down the stretch. So the Lakers kind of took advantage of that and they, you know, LeBron and AD, they, they steamboated their way to the win in game two at the end down the stretch game three. In L.A., the Lakers, it was a close first half, low-scoring first half, very defensive-oriented. But then the Lakers in the third quarter blew away, and it's the size. The, the, the size is, is starting to overwhelm the Phoenix Suns. And, and DeAndre Ayton is playing really good, especially on, like offensively. He, you know, he's, given, he's given Phoenix a lot, and he's, being, he's been very efficient while doing that. But the Lakers' size is overwhelming the Phoenix Suns, and I feel like that that was a big part of what they did last year, especially on defense. Their length, their athleticism on defense made it difficult for teams, and I'm seeing a repeat of that, where their length, their size is very difficult for teams to handle, not just on defense, but on offense as well, because now Anthony Davis is being assertive and aggressive. That's all. That's all I'm. That's all I'd be asking for for Anthony Davis. Be aggressive. Be assertive. Be aggressive. And I realized with Anthony Davis, he needs like he doesn't have like I, I don't want to I don't want to play down or beat down his like his character or anything. But AD is he like he doesn't have like that self motivation. He had he like he needs to be motivated. Like AD, he played a bad game one, and there were reports coming out like hey, you know AD's trying to he's in the gym all day on you know trying to fix what he needs to fix and tool up. He needs some type of fire lit under him because after game one, people was calling him soft and he's not being aggressive enough and. Like AD took that to heart, so like the self motivation sometimes is questionable. But when you call on Anthony Davis, when he's being called out, he responds to the call more times than not, and that's all you want to see. You want to see him be assertive and aggressive down low. Limit, you know, let's limit the jump shots. Um, I also think Frank Vogel, you know, I, Montrezl Harrell. I don't think I don't think in certain playoff matchups. I don't think Montrez Harold should be playing as much as Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol, yes, he hasn't looked the greatest this year, but Marcus Gasol still is—he still has the ability to space and stretch out the floor, would get, which opens up the driving lanes offensively for Anthony Davis and LeBron. And then, not to mention his playmaking and his passing, 
that he also can bring while he's on the floor. So, yeah, you're not getting that rim protection, but with with Montrezl Harold, he's a defensive liability in itself. Teams pick on him defensively. So I feel like I, I'm glad that Vogel kind of made the, the, the switch of playing Gasol more and playing Montrezl Harold a little less. Um, due to the due to the defensive liability, even with Drummond a little bit, Drummond's rebounding, like that's probably the best part of his game is him being able to rebound, especially on the offensive glass. That's probably Drummond's strength. That's that's probably Drummond's best trait, best skill is rebounding. He rebounds the basketball, but even to that to a certain degree, I feel like Gasol being able to stretch the floor and having that ability. It, it it just gives your offense so much more upside. So I'm glad to see the Lakers trending the right way. Um, I wasn't really too concerned about LeBron because, like I said, LeBron, he uses those game ones as, like, fill-out games. Game two, he played pretty well. You know, game three is where, like, okay, you see LeBron starting to get some more pep in the step, you know, you're starting to see the burst of athleticism and so forth. So that was a good sight to see, and I'm not surprised that the Lakers have taken advantage um, and have took the took the series lead. I'm not surprised at all. I, and I, like I said, I must add, if you're if you're going to add context, yes, Chris Paul and his shoulder injury has kind of put a damper on Phoenix. Um, like I said, especially in game two, I felt like game two, if there was any game that Phoenix should have won and, you know, that would have been valuable, it, it would definitely be game two. Um, because game three, it kind of got away in the third quarter, but game two was definitely a game where Phoenix could have won that game easily. They definitely could have won that game. That was a winnable game for Phoenix, but uh, I think the Lakers are showing all the signs that they have what it takes to repeat as champions. Yeah, and it's still early on in the playoffs. They still got to get through the semifinals and the conference finals and so forth. But they are showing me, they, the Lakers are showing, they still have what it takes to repeat as champions. They just got to turn it on. It's just a matter of them staying healthy and turning it on. But I'm going to close out right here. Um, didn't want to make this too long Saturday episode. You guys enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. I will be back on Wednesday in full effect, back on Wednesday. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Um, always remember two choices, one decision. Once again, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your holiday weekend, Memorial Day weekend. People are going to be cooking out. People are going to be grilling the pools and so forth and, you know, all that good stuff. Um, enjoy the playoffs. But without further ado, I'll let you guys go. Peace, adios, amigos. Gone.